I realize what we need to do in the future. Just bury questionable words in a script and let her read. I'm done. This can't be on Pandora. This That part's all getting cut out of Pandora. It'll be on the show. Right. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. Hey, my name's Will, and joining me as always are my friends, and they're also my co-hosts, and their names are Kat and John. Hey, guys. Hello, guys. Hey, Will. Hey, hey and in addition to his co-hosting duties here, don't forget, mm-hmm. John also hosts his own podcast, Gen X Grown Up. <laughs> yeah. The title, it implies he's actually grown up. And I'll be honest with you, even though I'm in my early 50s, I feel like a kid all the time. I feel like, certainly in the shadows of John, I feel like a child. (laughs) Just a shriveling (laughs) child. Hey, on today's show, we're going to share the 12 quirkiest Christmas songs from the 1980s. So look, there's tons of Christmas songs from the 1980s. There's actually quite a lot of ones that are kind of weird. Oh, yeah. But we had to pick some amount of them and we did. Mm -hmm. Whatever that amount was that I said. Some are good and weird too, yes. like good and doggone weird. Yes, mm, and I'm and sure, some are really bad. <laughs> I'm sure we missed your favorite, so you can let us know what yours yours are, and we'll you know we'll do another list. Um, there you go. But before that, we're going to review current news stories related to 1980s media, including now. Like I, I'm just going to be direct with these now. I realize they're just too complicated and confusing. So here's the news okay. stories we're going to talk about. Let's hear All it. Right. More bullshit rumors about Indiana Jones. how weird Al makes movies just like his songs and Mm -hmm. the superhero John Cusack could have played in 1985 Mm -hmm. had he not had he dobbled and not got duckied or how he (laughs) had he not duckied when he dobbled I I don't remember where hey all right so we have no announcements all right so hey let's get caught up on 1980s news so this week in 1980s news, just as soon as we debunked uh, some Beetlejuice sequel rumors, a new 100 yes. completely <laughs> bullshit stories <laughs> being floated around about the upcoming installment of Indiana Jones. Oh, wait, I think I can make some kind of metaphor. Let's see. It's, as soon as we flush down one bullshit story, another <laughs> bullshit story floats up. <laughs> oh, and this one's cornier than ever. Oh, I shouldn't even open oh, myself no. up to that. <laughs> it's amazing how we don't have sponsors for every episode. Um, <laughs> it's just bad plumbing. I think Sponsored by to- Del Monte Canned Corn. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Speaking of corn in your shit, have you tried There's niblets? So many- there's so many products. So it, it seems, this isn't going to surprise you guys, but once again, it seems like this uh, mm. rumor is come back because part of it's new, some of it's sort of just resurfacing as I implied in my mm. metaphor. Thanks mm. again to the uh, Joseph uh, Goebbels of uh, pop culture, Overlord DVD. <laughs> so according to DVD, yeah. uh, Disney had some test screenings, secret test screenings of the forthcoming Indiana Jones sequel with mm-hmm. six different endings. And again, according to his source, can you hear the air quotes, my voice? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. In every ending that was a screen for the audiences had two things in common, according to this asshole. One, audiences (laughs) hated them, none receiving a higher than 35% approval rating. And two, Phoebe Mm -hmm. Waller-Bridge assumes the mantle of Indiana Jones at the end of every single proposed 
ending. These are very specific mm-hmm. things that are being mentioned. Yeah, well, they are. A lot of, look, I don't, I don't watch this guy very often. I only watch it when some rumor is going around and then I start digging yeah. into it and I want up looking at a video to see what was actually said. And a lot mm-hmm. of it seems to be feed this sort of misogynistic, you know, uh, sexist mm-hmm. sort of narrative that mm-hmm. allows him just to, you know, uh, berate some woman or another in this instance mm-hmm. being Phoebe Wallerbridge and Kathleen right. Kennedy, who's been a target of his ire since star uh. Wars uh, sequels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, in this instance, he made all these claims and then to bolster them, he says he cites a couple, uh, he cites an article in the daily mail as confirming mm-hmm. his story. The problem is okay. though, it doesn't really, uh, the mm-hmm. article does also have a quote source, uh, at Disney mm-hmm. studios that said, quote, a handful of different endings have been shot and are being shown to test audiences. That's the only thing they agree on because then the Daily Mail mm-hmm. says their so- source who saw an early cut of the film said, quote, there's everything you'd want. Nazis fighting on top of a moving train, a chase sequence through a parade, and Indy using his bullwhip to fight bad guys with guns. Mm-hmm. By the way, that review of a t- an entire film sounds like what people would say about a trailer, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, that's yeah. what you. that's how you reviewed the whole film. Real guy, really guy, that's what yeah. you really saw it? Here's some action <laughs> moments. Now I have seen the film. Right, yeah. right. Like, n- n- it calls nothing to plot or story or character. No, it's no, just like, it oh, there's no. all this stuff, all these tropes. Yeah. I don't think yes. anybody's, this is all garbage. Uh, and that source or a source also said that in one of the, only in one of the endings does Indy, mm-hmm. uh, when Indy, Indy dies, but before dying, mm-hmm. he hands off his bullwhip to Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. Only mm-hmm. one. So already two things. One, this source to the Daily Mail, if to believed, didn't say anybody hated any of the versions. They didn't right. say they hated okay. any version. Yeah. And mm-hmm. only one out of the six had this Phoebe Waller-Bridge taking over. So that doesn't bolster Pretty- a good percentage of the nonsense that he is spewing. And if true, I worry yeah. about any film that is crowdsourcing six different endings to find a good one. What does yeah. that say about story? <laughs> it's like, well, we don't care what it is no. as long as it sells, which. Like, right, right. Yeah. But, uh, and on I the one hand, you're yeah. trying to fix what you do with Crystal Skull. But on the other hand, it's like, what's the integrity of the creative process if you're really just. You know, let's focus group yeah. what's going to happen next. It's a choose your own adventure Indiana Jones movie <laughs> yeah. at that point. Yes, yes, that's what it made me think of. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. yeah. You're right. To to their credit, I suppose, artists, you know, artists, auteurs of these films are usually so headstrong and confident that they mm-hmm. will produce and bring to the box office a piece of garbage that they're mm-hmm. sure is fantastic, <laughs> only to later see the audience's reaction and say, why did it end this way? Or why was this plot point there? They can't see mm-hmm. it, you know, the forest, right. but for the trees. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no one's doing six different endings. They rarely even do more than one ending when they when they screen test these things. Usually sure. it's after the yeah. screen test, they're like, holy shit, we got to make a different ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call everybody back in. Yeah. Which reminds me of, uh, what was it, that John Hughes film, uh, Pretty in Pink, famously uh, had a new ending because yes. Ducky does get the girl at the end. They changed that. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. if you notice, uh, Andrew McCarthy has a wig on in the reshoots. Suddenly his hair is like, the hairline's cool. weird and it's kind of holding oh, on his head. I yeah. hadn't noticed that. My gosh, <laughs> I didn't notice that either. Little Shop of Horrors, when the end of that film originally was like the Broadway ending where everybody dies, the plant eats everybody. <laughs> Audiences hated that, so they <laughs> shot a new ending where it is a happy ending. So no, they did not float out six different endings. But mm-hmm. we know this for a fact because we don't need to listen to anonymous quote sources to determine the veracity of these rumors. James Mangold, the director of the film, took to Twitter to set the record straight. Mm-hmm. Responding to several Twitter posts, Mangold not only debunked stories of test audiences hating the movie, but also doubled down on the commitment that Indiana Jones is not going to be replaced by 
anyone. Mm -hmm. Quote, nope, haven't been any screenings at all. At all. At all. It's up to you who you believe, an anonymous troll (laughs) named Basement Dweller and Doomcock or the actual director of the film. No one will ever replace Indiana Jones, not in any script, not in any cut, never discussed, end quote. Mm -hmm. So this is when we realize Overlord, who for folks who don't know, Overlord is Doomcock. It's like yes. DVD. Yeah. One of those D stands for Doomcock. I don't know mm-hmm. which one. It's dumb. It's all dumb. And <laughs> in the UK, he's known as 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 Doomknob. <laughs> I got to bleep that out, John. For our UK audience, <laughs> that's right. They can hear everything else. You bleep out the doom or the knob, which <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to bleep the whole thing just to be sure. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not English. <laughs> so this his his strategy, and I, you know, I said Joseph uh, Goebbels at the, at the beginning. I don't say that mm-hmm. lightly. Because he is right. using a technique used by the Nazi propagandist, which is you mm-hmm. see you being used by, pol- I'm getting political again, by politicians today too. Uh-huh. They just say something mm-hmm. that's nonsense over mm-hmm. and over again and insist it's true. Mm-hmm. And then they, what they do is, <laughs> this is what Doomcock did. I'll just give you an example. His response to James Mangold is one, he's being attacked. James Mangold oh. is attacking me, everybody. Disney oh. is coming for me. So now he's the victim. That's one thing they do. Oh, right. wow. By correcting yes. your lunacy of being attacked. Yes. Right. And the other thing he says is, well, look, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to see Phoebe Wallerbridge take the whip at the end of that movie. And then that shows I'm right. Or two, she's not. And that's going to show you that I actually stopped Disney from doing that because they <laughs> heard my voice complaining about how terrible that would be. So either way, he's right. I'm so sorry for them hearing his voice. Well, you'll never hear his re- his voice because right. he doesn't use his real voice. He does his things anonymously with a mask on and a voice disguiser because he's a big pussy. Exactly. Mm. That's that's what I, yeah, I feel sad for people listening <laughs> the to The QAnon yeah. of, of movie criticism. Yes. Yes. And John, yes. you have to see the people in the comments defending him against other uh, people you know, and, and how they believe him and thanking uh, him for making sure that Indiana Jones is going to be a good film because thanks to him, uh, James Mangold's not going to do what he really wants to do. Wow. And if it's a flop, yeah. it's just that he didn't do enough or they didn't listen to him. Oh, oh, yeah. It, it's whatever. <laughs> you can't, if, if you're your own spin doctor and you run yeah. the entire narrative, yes. you, you can't yeah. lose. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Whatever suits you. Yep. <laughs> Please, Disney, sue him. Please sue him, Disney. Now, the problem is Disney would think, well, we look bad now suing him, but just please sue him. You could sue him into non-existence. But then when would we talk about him? Oh, I don't want to talk about him ever again. The only reason I do this is God willing, someone who believes his nonsense is also listening to us and saying, wait a second, maybe let's hope being, yes. you know, cajoled by this idiot oh, just wow. so he can get clicks. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Anyway. Okay. Hey, another 1980s news per billboard. Uh, how Weird Al Yankovic made a biopic just like his song. So uh, billboard yeah. interviewed uh, Weird Al on the eve of his, you know, I, I think popular, successful biopic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just came out, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, a week or so ago, a couple weeks yep. ago, a week ago. Yeah, yep. it was a few weeks ago. Hulu, yeah. right? Weird. No, no. even more obscure Ro- than Hulu. No, it's not Hulu. Roku. 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 That's right. It's on Roku. I saw it. I have Is Roku. It? I watched it. Yeah I, yeah, I watched it too. Isn't that funny oh. that Weird Al probably had his pick of anything. I would think Netflix would have taken it, Apple mm-hmm. TV, anybody. But I'm just sure. to be odd, he goes to the more obscure Roku. <laughs> well, you may or may not need a, a, a USB drive. Right. A special something or other. Yeah. Set-top box <laughs> distributing company. Yeah. Now, it turns out you can just go on the internet and watch it. Mm-hmm. It'll, yeah. 
Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they have service. They have what they call channels on Roku that you can subscribe to. Okay. It's like a premium channel, I think. So Cat Watch, did you watch it, Chuck? No. I'm afraid to watch it. I've heard nothing but good things, and yet I am so apprehensive Uh about just pushing play. Yeah. Why, why, why? It's... I'm just worried that it's going to damage something, that it's going to disrespect <laughs> something. Are, hmm. are you laughing at me or with me? What is it? What is it? I don't I'm know. laughing because I felt all these ways that you felt Did you? before I Did watched you too? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and you are not saying it's the worst thing ever. And so that's yeah. yet another resounding voice that says you're going to enjoy this, but I'm just afraid to push play. I don't, I, I think it's my long history with Al, even though he's mm-hmm. behind it and I have great confidence in him. Yeah. Just nervous, John. It is very obviously curated, very carefully. Yeah, by Weird Al. Okay, it's All right. it is. I'm sure it really we'll is. Yeah. So for folks who do, who do not who don't know, and what I think one of the things you're concerned with, John, because I lamented this fact, you know, when we first uh, mm-hmm. talked about this, and I think we mentioned this to um, Lily Hirsch when we talked about her book, who did a bio, mm-hmm. biography on No mm-hmm. Weird Al, right? Yeah. Why not just do a biopic? I don't, I want to really know about your life. I don't need a goof on your life too. You goof on songs. <laughs> <laughs> but in this interview, um, he, he was asked, has anyone ever approached you to do a straight biopic? And he said mm-hmm. that, uh, he said, I think we probably got a few offers even while we were trying to get this movie off the ground. And I'm flattered, but it's not the movie I wanted to do. There yeah. hasn't been a lot of drama in my life. Right. <laughs> so, and again, Lily Hirsch confirmed this. He's such a straight laced dude. You cannot find no. a bit of controversy on this guy. No one says anything bad. Mm-hmm. Right. He's never been no, no scandals, unlike, you know, other right. folks. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no yeah. Weird Al Yankovic behind the music. Yeah. Right. That's not going to happen. Cause it's like, yeah. And then he was nice again. Next year, also nice. Right. <laughs> so, because of that, I felt the same way you did, John. Like, why yeah. is this going to be? I love Weird Al, not as much as John does. John's a <laughs> super fan. Yeah. But it was such, it's such, it's done such in the spirit, like the like cat said, he co-wrote it. So it's in such mm-hmm. the humor and spirit of Weird mm-hmm. Al. You can feel him in it. You could feel his yes. handiwork in it. I laughed. That it just felt like an extension of his music. Yep. I just kept laughing at it. Mm-hmm. It was funny. I've also heard that it's almost a spiritual successor to UHF, his previous film from decades yeah. ago. Yeah. Which, which encourages me because that's beautifully goofy. Okay. Yeah. I can't good. speak to that because I haven't watched no? okay. that one yeah. yet. So yeah. I yeah. agree because I think baked into it is his love of pop culture generally, right. his knowledge of the tropes. And so how he mm-hmm. poked fun at the tropes in, in UHF, yeah. he does that with this okay. biopic. So in the past, and even recently, we talked about some of the challenges with uh, parodies and copyright law. Um, we know, we've talked about this a number of times in, in the connection with Al, how even though he's doing parodies, and we've discussed before that parodies are generally safe because of fair use, um, it doesn't mean you can't get sued. You can get sued for anything. Sure. And so what, to avoid, again, avoid any kinds of scandal or tension or friction, Al actually does not do a parody unless he gets permission from the artist that, right. that he's at home. He's parrying. Parrying. I had this problem last time too. Parrying. I remember Parodying. 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 Perineum. No, that's not it. <laughs> Parodying. Oh. Hey. <laughs> you think that's funny, but it ain't. <laughs> oh. He had to have that one. He wrote that out earlier today. He had to. And he's like, I got to work perineum in somehow. <laughs> well, I knew you were going to talk about Al, so I'd have my opportunity. Yeah. Oh my God. Jay, the, the, he's playing not four dimensional chess. What's, what's... <laughs> so now is very, you know, uh, careful with regard to the music, but he, he approached the familiar faces in the movie mm-hmm. differently. He said, quote, for all the people we're impersonating in the movie, 
and there's a lot of them. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, the lawyers told us not to bother getting permission because they're considered yeah. public figures. Mm-hmm. Right. But we did have to get the music cleared. Queen still owns the publishing on my parody. The Michael Jackson estate still owns my publish- the publishing on my parody. So they kind of mm-hmm. had final say in the cut of the movie. And mm-hmm. quote. And in fact, he goes on to explain that Queen had them cut Freddie Mercury from the original script. <laughs> Entirely. Yeah. Like you didn't yep. exist, right? Don't even mention him, they said. Yeah. yeah. All right. Whatever. Uh, and, and the Michael Jackson estate made the, them also take out a line, although he's not telling us right. which one. Right. That would defeat the purpose to tell us the line after it's taken out. When- <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Just include it in your head when you watch the movie. Here's what the line was. Yeah, that's bad form. Now, John, one thing you'll especially appreciate about the mm. film is how it focuses on his early years of success. It's an origin story of sorts. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so as a result, the, the music that's in it is uh, mostly the songs he recorded between 1979 and 1985. Mm-hmm. I was surprised mm-hmm. to read in this interview that he doesn't believe that those songs are his, quote, most clever. Right. And although he's not embarrassed by them, he says, quote, it's kind of like looking at baby photos. They were fine mm-hmm. for the time they were written, but I'd like to think I've gotten better since then, end quote. Even more clever. I don't think I'm cuter than my baby photos. I can't imagine. <laughs> that. I think as a creative, I can relate. You know, look okay. back at yeah. something you produced five years ago or listen to a podcast you did five years ago. And go, Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. last week. <laughs> yeah. Did you listen to last week's episode? <laughs> I tried. Couldn't make it through. Yeah. See? Yeah, you, when you do it at the time, you think it's yeah. great. And so I can relate to him sure. saying, you know, when he did this, when he was young, he it was fantastic. And mm-hmm. it's still great. It's, you know, it's like saying, well, it's a subpar Weird Al song. Well, that makes it a great song. It's just so yeah. for his spectrum, right? So exactly. Uh, but yeah, he listens back to those, and he's like, "I could have done this different, or I could have done, you know, I could have. Sure. I'm a better vocalist. I'm a you know better, more creative, whatever. But still, yeah, it's it's part of the pantheon right. of Weird Al, and I, I like that they're using it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and among his many ta- traits is he's humble too. Yes. Um, all right. Hey, and finally, in 1980s news, as reported by Screen Rant, John Cusack could have been Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> so this came out on a new book, but I, I learned about it from Screen Rant, so all credit goes to them. According to Sean O'Connell's new book, With Great Power, How Spider-Man Conquered Hollywood During the Golden Age of Comic Book Blockbusters, the star of the, the 1980s classics Better Off Dead, Say Anything, and a ton of others, could have played mm-hmm. the web slinger in 1985. Wow, that's really weird to think about. I could see him pulling off Peter Parker, but yep. um, I'm not sure about the Spider-Man <laughs> part. I'm not quite sure why that doesn't work for me. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Because I was hmm. thinking, yeah, he's kind of nebbishy in his sort of roles. You know, right. he's not like, a, certainly right, in his early right. roles, he's not like a leading man sort of mm-hmm. character. We'd love to follow right. him, but you're right. Yeah, the yeah. Spider-Man part though is, no, yeah. maybe, but he, you know, that's the cool thing about Spider-Man though, is, right? Even when he put the mask on, he's still Peter Parker. He's still kind of a goofball. Mm-hmm. And He is is but there's a there's a shift for me anyway from uh-huh. my observation yeah there's a little bit of a shift there would you um, uh, kiss john cusack if he were hanging upside down in a spider-man costume yes um or are you asking cat okay. uh, i was asking you I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know i can't i think you're you're judging your your gauge mm. of spider-man-ness is mm-hmm. shaded by and, and colored by what we've come to expect mm-hmm. from modern spider-man Mm. No doubt. So, but in no 85, doubt. I mean, think about it, the only real live action we had was like the electric company, Spider-Man. So I think, I think sure. Cusack could have pulled off an athletic, so? heroic Spider-Man along with his Peter Parker. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can All see right. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. John, don't forget too, that short lived uh, TV series in the seventies, uh, 
Spider-Man. I love that. Show. The live that action was, there. That's right. That's yeah, right. That was on. I don't know. That was even. Oh, that the was one with the motorcycle. Even, uh, he had the spider cycle, right? <laughs> yes. I don't think I know that. It was, it was great hmm. when you'd see him. Uh, was it uh, the actor Nicholas Hammond? You'd huh. see him climbing buildings and clearly he was like not even touching the building. He was just doing this and they're hoisting him up. <laughs> the, 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 they're pulling him up and he's just going. <laughs> it's like, there's no he's doing a little wax the, on wax off as they're yeah. dragging him up the side of the building. They probably told the people in the building, he's just a window cleaner. This guy's just going <laughs> to. Okay. He's very eccentric. He wears this costume. Just roll with it. So as John points out, we didn't really have, look, the reason why this book is named is what, what it is, is because the modern day Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire kicked off you know, is mm-hmm. credited with kicking off the modern era of uh, blockbuster superhero films. So we had really mm-hmm. hit, there was, there was some superhero films during the 70s and 80s. There was so, superhero films long before that, but they were just all bad. Um, and certainly nothing to the extent of what we ultimately got from Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. So to that end, there were, this book details a number of projects that never came to be. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in with regard to this, O'Connell describes Canon Films as failing to uh, bring a, a Spider-Man script by writers Ted Newsom and John Brancato to the screen. Mm-hmm. According to O'Connell, despite the rumors to the contrary, the Spider-Man writers envisioned their story with Cusack in mind. I don't know what the rumors sure. are. I'd have to trick with Overlord DVD. Uh, <laughs> it's probably a woman. It was probably a woman and he hates her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it shouldn't come as any surprise that they were thinking about Cusack because again you know regardless of your feelings about him as Spider-Man cat 1985 mm-hmm. he's he's pretty big stuff that's true yeah. that's true I think John's right too I'm probably you know I'm with hindsight you know mm-hmm. having experienced all these different Spider-Man it's yeah oh, hard for me to imagine that. he was kind of a Tobey Maguire of his day wasn't he I could see it yeah okay yeah. sure yeah yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just made me realize, you know, we're doing all this multiverse Spider-Man stuff. They got to have a John Cusack in the Spider-Man, one of the universes. <laughs> okay, that would work. That would be awesome. <laughs> I could go with that. Like, I would like to see it, but I'm afraid that's that's too deep a cut for anybody to, to be <laughs> like, on, what? to be one to do, you know? What's John Cusack doing in this movie? What the, f- that's right. honey, what is this? Um, <laughs> is he Spider-Noir? Who's he supposed to be? Yeah, well, yeah. maybe that's what no. they'll do. He's from the Hughes universe, Spider-Man. Oh, yes. 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 Well, yes. see, you nailed it, John, because these mm-hmm. the reason why they were thinking of John Cusack is because these writers wrote their version of Spider-Man with the Hughes, with John Hughes's mm. filmography in mind. Mm. And John Cusack was in 16 Candles. Yes, he was. It was, one of, his, yes, he was. one of his earliest films, but he didn't have a mm-hmm. major role in that. So, yeah. And after that, he went on to star in other classics, like I mentioned, and, and some others. Uh, sure Thing, uh, One Crazy Summer. I love that film. And that's all of that. Okay, hey. What? $2. Where's my $2? Okay, hey, that was 1980s news. Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. All right. Hey, as we mentioned uh, earlier, we're going to be talking about some number of the quirkiest (laughs) Christmas songs from the 1980s, whatever number I said at the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. Or have dubbed in since. I don't know. You know, I don't know. 
He said a lot of numbers. It's clever. A lot of numbers. <laughs> it's clever. All right. So, um, look, we've talked about this many times. The 1980s was, you know, again, I, I mean this sincerely. You've heard me say it way too many times. It was just a, a modern day renaissance as far as the birth and rebirth and of, of, of all forms of arts, technology, mm-hmm. everything. Everything. All things. <laughs> Uh, and part of that was, you know, how diverse musical music was, the different uh, types of music that were popular mm-hmm. during the time. And part of that was because of the sort of uh, increased, what, globalization? Mm-hmm. John, am I going mm-hmm. too far to, to justify no, no. a song that's called Fuck Christmas? Yeah, well, I, I was just saying, at the end of this list, you might put diverse in quotes, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, oh. it is diverse, and then it's also just a little bit batshit crazy. Huh. All right. Well, okay. And here's something, here's something neat too. Cool. So now that you've heard the news already, I'll tell you this. I wasn't going to tell you at the beginning. So I wanted you to listen to the news. <laughs> if you go to Pandora and search for quirkiest eighties Christmas songs, mm-hmm. you will find what they call a Pandora story, mm-hmm. which is essentially the rest of our episode. But you get to hear, if you have Pandora premium, you get to hear the entire tracks of the songs that we're describing today, right? Explaining, sharing. That's cool. If you have anything less than Pandora (laughs) Premium, you hear 30 seconds of the song. (laughs) And if you're listening to the show on YouTube, it it was taken down because YouTube copyright (laughs) struck us on every single song. You have to couch that. It's like either you get to or you're forced to hear the entire song, depending on your opinion of the song. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, I guess you'd Mm. skip ahead, like skip 30 seconds. You'd hit that like four, hit that two times, maybe four times. And you're you're past. Yeah. And then you hear it's like, uh, AIDS. No. Fuck. Wookie. Is there anything on here? Ground zero. Reach around. No, just skip the whole show. We'll see you next time on 1990s Now. All right. So, hey, John, why don't you kick us off and tell us about one of these wacky songs? I'm going to start with It's Christmas in Heaven. So this was by Monty Python, and it was featured in Monty Python, The Meaning of Life in 1983. Monty Python, The Holy Grail, of course, first aired in 1969. They're a favorite among a lot of Gen Xers, especially myself. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they, if anybody who's armed with a dollar and a rental card, we could go in and devour the Holy Grail and the life of Brian, uh, learning hilarious alternative versions of Arthurian myths and Christianity. Uh, any, of course, any 80s kid is going to know what Sir Galahad's favorite color is without having to look it up, I'm sure. Blue. No, <laughs> no yellow. yellow. <laughs> so, so, of course, the Pythons <laughs> delivered an equally ridiculous take on Christmas songs in their final film, The Meaning of Life. Mm. The film's conclusion, Graham Chapman, uh, mm. completely like prosthetic and you can't even recognize yeah. him, kind of as a Tony Bennett-esque figure. Yeah, giant fake teeth. Uh, and it's actually as this, this party is poisoned by death, this is the end of the meaning of life and they come out and it's this big showpiece. Yeah. And uh, so this Tony Bennett-esque guy comes out with a, alongside dozens of dancing showgirls and they're mm-hmm. all, they have like Santa suits or they have wings on or they look like angels, but they're also mm-hmm. totally bare-breasted. <laughs> but asterisk, you know? It's clearly yes. plastic breasts poking out yeah. from holes in their suits. No, was, yes. If they were going to show nudity anyway, why use fake nudity? <laughs> well, I don't well, think. Well, that's so they were going to use real nudity because the pythons yeah. don't care. And yeah, I think on the TV show they've had bare breasts. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. well, the the yeah. rumor is one of the girls they had, one of the dancing girls was yeah. uncomfortable because her breasts were not quite ample enough. So she was uncomfortable. Oh. 
So it wasn't, she wasn't upset showing her breasts, just that they weren't large enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, she was you comparing know, yourself everybody's wearing identically <laughs> shiny, clearly plastic bosoms. Yeah. <laughs> so they do this big, well, big dance number. I think that kind of works with the, it has a kind of a Rockettes feel to it. And yeah. one of their mm-hmm. claims is they're almost identical. All of them are in unison and yeah, doing, they are. wearing yeah. the same exact thing. And so it kind of and, works. And they have identical breasts. I like how even the woman, the, even the woman yeah. ringing the bell in the video has her boobs out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's just, and the angels, yes. I think the angels flying, right? The angels that are hanging from ropes, of course. Yeah, yeah. them too. Yeah. yeah. So, and, but the song though, of course we're talking about, I'm talking about the video and the dancers, but I mean, the, yeah. the song is, is sung by uh, this Graham Chapman in uh, Tony Bennett gear. Uh, and, things like they're talking about the wonders of Christmas, but it's all happening in heaven, which is paradise. And it's replete with the yeah. joys of earthbound materialism, including Sony Walkman and the latest video games. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun and hokey. And it's, it, it, I always, it always took it as like, it's a Christmas song, but only technically, yeah. technically because Christmas is in it. It's just kind of this weird, crazy ending to an otherwise disjointed, but delightfully funny film. It's Christmas in heaven, there's great films on TV, the sound of music twice an hour, and Jaws 1, 2, and 3. There's gifts for all the family, there's toilets and cranes, there's Sonny Walkman headphone sets, and the latest video games. <laughs> Heaven is essentially what we wanted as kids in the 1980s, <laughs> right? I mean, it seems like you wanted bare-breasted, plastic-boobed angels dancing. It's just like, just like. Let's see, 1983. I was 12. Pass. <laughs> Pass. Only 12. <laughs> Catch up with me in a year. I'll, I'll take the Walkman, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, hey, I want to tell you guys about a song, uh, "Christmas with Satan." by James White, who I believe is now known as James Chance from the album A Christmas Record in 1982. So here's the deal. In, in, uh, in the early 1980s, the uh, folks at ZE Records directed their artists to each create a Christmas song for a compilation album. The result was 1981's Christmas Record, which included a holiday classic that we're going to get to later in the list, is my favorite, I think my favorite of all time, Christmas song, certainly from the 1980s. 80s. Ah, uh, yeah. But aside from that, the other, the album is otherwise unremarkable. But when the LP was re-released in 1982, the producers replaced some of the tracks on the original album with new ones, including what may be the worst holiday song ever created in any decade. <laughs> the addition of this song, Christmas with Satan by James White, Tells the story, just like any classic. Wait, holiday. it tells a story? When I heard it, it was rambling, mumbling garbage. Oh, so if there's a you know story. What, John, the song's kind of like a two-parter. First is yes. uh, cacophonous <laughs> nonsense. And the second yes. half is cacophonous nonsense with a story. <laughs> um, okay. So in the second half, it tells the story of a distraught man who commits suicide during the holidays. And then mm-hmm. the merrymaking begins. You know, like on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> the lack of mirth in the lyrics is not the reason it's less successful. The music, as I mentioned, is this oh. atonal cacophony of various holiday classics playing essentially at the same time. Right. 
that was best described by hipchristmas.com as a, quote, droll, blasphemous, nearly tuneless piece of skronk, end quote. Yes, skronk. Sounds good. Skronk? They went there. What, what does skronk mean? You had to bleep that. It's <laughs> and only in the UK. Uh, all right, let me play uh, some of uh, Christmas with Satan. You have to. This might be the part that you didn't get to, John. There's a little bit of rhythm. I'm being serious. After the noise, it stops, and then this starts. There's a tiny bit of rhythm. And you almost think, it's going to be music. Almost. <laughs> it's just a different kind of awful. A Christmas with the devil. It's got to be a hell of a party. I'm pretty sure he's making this song up as he goes. Oh, I hope so. To me, this sounds like uh, Danny Elfman with Oingo Boingo working something out. Oh, <laughs> That's an insult to Oingo Boingo. Well, then it becomes right, something masterful, right. you know, once they uh, shape it. Right. They're just, this is like before the, the orchestra's tuning and it's just all, they're all making their own noises. Yeah. The song will start in a minute. It's almost by. like they all have headphones on. Like, oh, you're playing too? I'm so, I didn't know. Because yeah. you guys wouldn't tell me. I looked up the words cronk. Oh, that's a real word. It's a real word. Oh. It, I didn't it, tell you because I thought it was just what, someone. I wasn't you know, withholding information. I, th- yeah. I thought it was a, a baloney word. <laughs> I thought, I thought you it was just, like yeah, yeah, onomatopoeia yeah. or something. It's a, the me? definition is, you're going to like this, popular music mm-hmm. of a kind that yep. is experimental oh. and deliberately discordant. And then it gives an example sentence. Yeah. And it says, in the right hands, skronk can be sublime. Oh, I thought you were going to say. See mm. Christmas with Satan. For a bad example. <laughs> All right, Kat, you're on. This song that I'm going to talk about is called Santa's Beard by They Might Be Giants from their album Lincoln. It's from 1988. And while it may not be the first song about infidelity and Kris Kringle, um, <laughs> 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 kind of like I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all know that one. It's the most overt The track tells the tale of a man who is troubled by his wife's um, apparent enthusiasm for a friend who dons a red suit each Christmas. This guy. (laughs) The seemingly unfaithful wife sits on the faux Santa's knee and beckons him to stand beneath the mistletoe as well. And lately she's been humming cheating songs. Cheating songs? Yeah. That's a line from the song. Yeah. I'm trying to think of cheating songs. I know. I I guarantee it's a country song, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Music, All right. It's got to be. You're cheating yep, hard. Yep. There you go. Right. That makes sense. Okay. I guess I'm not a <laughs> country fan. I'm not either, a but... listener of <laughs> cheating songs. Yeah. You know, Jolene. That's a potential oh, yeah. cheating song. Right. Good point. Oh, it's a good I didn't one think too. about that. Um, so this tune, which has that special brand of They Might Be Giants New Wave, is pure 1980s catchiness. Yeah. And, and, and while the cuckold at the center of the tale laments, that his friend Santa is breaking cuckold. up his home. Can't cat to see cuckold. <laughs> Just, I'm putting that on my soundboard. Cuckold. <laughs> now, while you're recovering, cat, when I listened to this yeah. song and I started reading, so I, I listened to it on YouTube. I never heard it before in preparation yeah. for this show. Right, right. And I learned something in the comments that after I listened to it a couple of times, I'm like, that's spot on. And apparently not, that's not interpretive. That's le- legitimately true. Mm-hmm. This is 
I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, uh-huh. but it's from the husband's point of view rather than the child. Mm, oh, that makes perfect sense. It's all the same yeah. little story beats. Mm-hmm. The same things are happening, uh-huh. but it's from, because I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus ostensibly is actually supposed to be the daddy dressed up. Yes. This takes the approach that it wasn't. Right. It's actually Santa <laughs> and daddy's witnessing yeah. it as well. Oh, you know what? They should have added the line about how he spy, he spots his kid hiding in the background watching <laughs> right. him watching yep. her with Santa. Yep. Yes. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. So how That's do what? I finish that sentence? Because uh, I didn't really finish that sentence. <laughs> Just, just, just pick just it up from it a cuckold. You could just <laughs> <laughs> and really hit the the sound. The just really, sounds in there. I want to. I want to. I want to have to bleep you. I want to hear it so hard. Once a year, my friend puts on a red suit and hangs around with me and my. I got to tell you, I love this song. I didn't mm-hmm. know it except until we were researching this list. I didn't either. But didn't it's either. cute. Yeah. I agree yeah. with what you said, Kat. It's just, it's so 1980s and early 1980s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that new wavy kind of way. Like the waitresses reminds me of that too. Ah. Oh. I saw my baby wearing Santa's So this next song is Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. That is a classic, yeah. It's by Tiny Tim. The AIDS. Yep. You know that emoji with just the eyes and no nothing else below yep. it. It's just a blank look. Mm-hmm. That that's that yep. when I first look when you <laughs> first found this, out about that was song? the look on my face. Oh. I just couldn't couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so years after this, <laughs> truly <laughs> um I don't I don't even know what to call this song. Um I, I wanted to say horrible um song was recorded. Tiny Tim provided a naive, um, albeit dubious, explanation for his controversial Christmas tune. According to Tim, he wrote the song in 1980 or 1981 at a time when AIDS was a very, very minor word. In quotes, that's what that was. (laughs) And it was more associated with its homophone, AIDS, A-Y-D-S, yeah. which is an appetite suppressant. Do you guys remember that? Mm. No. That I do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, but I don't buy it. Yeah. Why would you even bother making a song yeah. about AIDS if it wasn't popular enough to get you listens? Right. Yes. You know? Right, right. Like, I, I, I don't buy Tiny Tim's like, oh, well, it wasn't really a big deal back then. Because yeah. that's how Tiny Tim sounds. Did, that's a, yes. That was a nice it already was. In fact, that's why the diet, the appetite suppressant changed their right. name because AIDS was such a big damn deal. Uh, they had to stop calling themselves, want to lose weight? You need AIDS. Yeah. Don't do that. No. All right, no. let's not call it that. So then why would he have written this song then? Well, he insists that the song was not made for humor. Quote. <laughs> nope. He succeeded. Um, <laughs> and also, he said the idea sounded funny. So both are true. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's covering all his bases. He's, he's, yep. Oh, yep, yep. is it Tiny Tim or Doomcock? Squeaky <laughs> clean there. Oh. <laughs> Either way, he's right. Oh, but the track wasn't recorded and released until 1985. Oh, yep. And that's at a time when Rock Hudson and Ryan mm-hmm. White had both uh, put a face oh, on yeah. uh, this terrible virus. 
And if that doesn't remove doubt that Tim didn't understand the implications of the tune, Tim's agent threatened yep. to drop his client if he were to record it. <laughs> but of course, Tim ignored the warning, leaving us with a, this curious slice of 1980s nostalgia. I wonder if he ever did get dropped. Oh, this is Santa Claus saying I won't be around this year. I'm a bit sick. Santa Claus has got the AIDS this year. And he won't be round to spread his Christmas cheer. The reindeer all... You probably all know the equation, right? That tragedy plus mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. equals comedy. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 it didn't work this time. <laughs> Not enough. Didn't really pan out. No. I don't know if there's ever enough time. Like, yeah. Oh, man. I love how it sounds yeah. like uh, another one rides the bus and it was recorded in a bathroom. Or <laughs> You mean in the lack of audio fidelity, yes. not in the quality or caliber no, no, of the oh, music. Oh, gosh. I shouldn't even saying? invoke Weird Al. Yeah, you're right. So, look, right. there's a number of songs on this list that are quirky. Some even maybe offensive and uh, controversial. Mm-hmm. But this one may uh, put them all to shame. And it's guaranteed not to be on a pan- the Pandora special uh, story. Mm. <laughs> this is how we test our audience and find out where the line is. Mm-hmm. The line is in when they stop listening. Like we look at their re- retention. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, is it drops off? Exactly. Yeah, right after this when I see the this drop word. drop off line. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you guys about Fuck Christmas by Fear. <laughs> Do you? Oh, oh, oh. 1982 song. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> no, to, to Fear's credit. Many of the songs on this list depict an underrepresented holiday experience. Mm-hmm. But it's, so it's no surprise that Lee Ving's contribution to, to the holiday uh, is equal parts Charles Dickens and Sam Kinison. Uh, <laughs> what is curious about the expletive-laden track, however, is that it's the only, it was only the second single from Fear. Huh. Uh, so this, you know, infamous, I want to say, punk rock band known for many other songs, you know, probably better known for these uh, other other punk rock songs. Second song mm-hmm. was this one. Uh, while it was recorded during the sessions that produced their debut album, uh, The Record, it was mm-hmm. not released until months later. In addition to the orig- uncensored original version, they also have a version that you will hear on Pandora, mm-hmm. <laughs> the identical <laughs> Beep Christmas. Uh, with censored profanity. I don't know that you're going to hear that on Pandora. I'm not going to do that. That's not going to be, I'm not even going to do that. Uh, With censored profanity, which was released for radio airplay. And the song itself, I think we could almost hear the whole song if it's not on here. It's like 47 seconds long. It's Mm -hmm. a super short song. (laughs) All the children on the street hope they get something good to eat. But for me, it's not so great. This is another one I never heard before. I saw the title. I was prepared to hate it. Yeah. Mm. And -hmm. finally, look, I'm not offended by profanity at all. Yeah. So it's not, Mm -hmm. not what bothered me. It just felt pandering to use. Oh, we'll just say fuck Christmas because that's going to be really salacious and get, you know, people wondering what it is. But actually when I heard it, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of thing, this is the kind of catharsis that I think Mm -hmm. people that actually suffer from was it mm-hmm. like seasonal affective disorder or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like right. you could keep that depression mm-hmm. at bay by using this as a, like, mm-hmm. I just need to get out of my system. I'm just going to listen mm-hmm. to this song and go, yeah, just, oh, I hate this thing. Yes. I think uh-huh. it could be therapeutic for people that have trouble mm-hmm. with the holidays. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yep, yep. along the lines of what you're saying, John, the contrast of this kind of 
you know, more sort of melodic and sort of, you know, downbeat opening, which sets yeah. up the idea that, look, not everybody is having mm-hmm. a good holiday. Exactly. Right. Sets right. up the fact that we're going to tell Christmas what we are going to tell yep. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where to go, what to do, yep. how to do it. The next song that I looked at here is called, What Can You Get a Wookiee for Christmas? Oh, you- I can't do that. Spit my throat, sorry. Oh, oh, not is that what that cup is filled with? Spit. It is he now. He didn't have enough spit in his throat and then he took a drink. It's, Put some more spit in there. It started empty. I'm filling it throughout the show. Oh, see, <laughs> that straw goes down. It's going down. <laughs> it down. is right. Oh. It's, it's mm. pure backwash. It's like being at the dentist, a little Mr. Thirsty, you know. <laughs> pure backwash. 100% backwash. So that title again is... What can you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already owns a comb? Oh, the subtitle. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's oh. a parenthetical uh, subtitle there. Yeah. And um, by Mecco? Oh, Mecco? I love Mecco. How do I say that? Okay, <laughs> yeah, Mecco. Mecco. All right, there you go. <laughs> Mecco. You know, Mecco. This is from 1980. So um, if the Star Wars holiday special is the Porkins <laughs> of Galactic Christmases, <laughs> this song is the Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Mecco, who brought us the light years better Star Wars and other galactic funk, produced this collection of holiday songs with a tenuous connection to Star Wars. Even if you're to ignore the questions as to how Santa Claus or Christmas or Jesus, for that matter, (laughs) exist a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you're still left with awful music. (laughs) This confounding track takes the madness a step further and has a group of droids pondering what to get Chewbacca for Christmas. (laughs) When I was listening, I even forgot like that it was droids. I'm like, are these elves? What what is this? And the whole song cat is hair centric. (laughs) It's like, he already owns a comb. Yes. He doesn't use shaving cream. Yeah. I think shampoo is mentioned. Nobody considers exactly. getting him a throat lozenge. I mean, that's yeah. what Chewbacca needs for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. They're like, oh, exactly. excuse me. Thank you. Or a special cup like you have. Oh. <laughs> but the biggest thing about it, right, is that Wookiees don't even celebrate Christmas. They have Life Day. Have I know life where day. Life Day is a thing from that special. That's what I know for sure. You know, Kat, I was, this record is mm-hmm. so awful. I was convinced it was a fan-made record. It sounded okay to me. I mean, it sounded dumb, but it sounded yeah. freshly made. Well, yeah, I've, I've never heard the whole album. I'm sure yeah. th- there's other songs, right? Yes. Like, that are- there's more, <laughs> but wait, <laughs> there's, more. there's more. But wait, get this. Yes, <laughs> it, it was actually licensed by Lucasfilm. Oh, Lucas trying to squeeze the last nickel out of every bit of merchandising. <laughs> Although, fun fact, um, Anthony Daniels reprises his role as mm. C-3PO to narrate the album, apparently. Oh. I really do want to hear the whole thing. I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. So um, get this, uh, this yep. song reached number 69 on the Billboard Hot 100 wow. in 1980. <laughs> It ranked at all is the surprising yeah. thing. Forget the number yeah, yeah. and and ha ha the number because I'm immature. But the point is that it's there at all anywhere. Yeah, yeah it's got to be on the back of Star Wars. I mean, it's true, just solely yeah. on the it's, back of Star Wars. Let me see. We have a scarf. For- That's enough. Um, <laughs> I can't take it. Those first fake droid voices. <laughs> they, they remind me of the. Um, They're chipmunks. The Phantom Menace. Uh, the Roger, Roger. Oh, oh yeah, the little droids. Guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why yeah, I yeah. hate them. Now I remember. Yeah. Okay. Can, can I, we cleanse our palate with a good song now? Is that, is that okay yes, with you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next one I want to talk about is Christmas at Ground Zero by mm-hmm. the inimitable Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. Mm-hmm. 1986. It's, uh, it's from Polka Party. Uh, mm. if, look, if any lesson can be learned from Christmas at Ground Zero, it's this. Nobody tell Weird Al Yankovic what to do. He created this song only after his record label insisted that he record a Christmas album. Oh, I'll show you. (laughs) What's just what what is that called? Malicious compliance. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) He presented this tune about celebrating the Yuletide while fleeing nuclear annihilation. However, the higher ups at Scotty Brothers, who was his label at the time, withdrew their demands for holiday LP (laughs) on the basis of this song. No, we're good. We're good, actually, Al. That's fine. Yeah. You just had to say you didn't want to do it. <laughs> that would have been enough. <laughs> but then he wanted to release this as a single because it turned out well. Uh, and the label said, no, we're not going to do that either. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he was determined, though, to spread this Christmas cheer that he had devised, which is yeah. a wonderfully morbid Christmas song, by the way. Uh, and, and perhaps one of my wife's favorite Christmas songs, I will say. Is that right? It oh, is. Wow. Yeah. Just because it's such a, if you don't listen to the actual, like if it's a different language, it would just yeah, be a great right. Christmas song. Oh yeah. It sounds like you a, know, a classic Christmas song. It right? sounds fantastic. Oh, it almost sounds like a, like a 50s era Christmas song in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. look, the music video that Yankovic himself produced, uh, mostly using like stock footage of, you know, duck and cover atomic bomb explosions and kids getting under desks and stuff. Right. The studio eventually said, okay, fine, we'll release the track. Uh, and they, you know, <laughs> and so it's on the polka party. Uh, following uh-huh. the tragic events of September 11th, though, airplay of the song mm-hmm. evaporated, as you might imagine, mm-hmm. tragedy. Yankovic is right. no longer able to perform this song live because too many mm, yeah. people misunderstand the connotations of ground zero, what that right, means. Right, I people. can see that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was never a reference to 9-11. We just know, you know, ground zero is where the bomb falls. That's where right. that's where the business right. happens at a nuclear attack. Yes. Yeah, yes. It never occurred to me that he's got a whole generation or two maybe at this point that grew up post 9-11. So that would be their only yeah. They wouldn't know the difference. That. Yeah. To that that's phrase, right. ground zero. Yeah. Yeah. And there yeah. are a couple of, of, I mean, you're going to play a sample, I know, Will, but there are yeah. a couple of, of great lines that I have to call out that's just, oh, just okay. mwah, chef's kiss writing. Okay. Going to duck and cover with my Yuletide lover underneath the mistletoe. Again, just <laughs> sounds know. like a great Christmas song. And going to dodge debris <laughs> yeah. while we trim the tree underneath the mushroom cloud. Oh, yes. my goodness. A couple of Classic. my favorites. Yeah. Yep. yep. Everywhere the atom bombs are dropping, it's the end of all humanity. No more time for last minute shopping. It's time to face your final destiny. It's Christmas at Ground Zero. There's panic in the crowd. We can dodge debris while we trim the tree. There you go. Yeah. You know, kind of like the fear song with, mm-hmm. with the high contrast. Mm-hmm. You know, and so much of Al Weird Al's stuff is. Is there's the high contrast? That's what what brings the humor. Right, it's the turn. You know, right. right. To call it's it the, comedy. It's the the juxtaposition of you know. It's, the like, it's like a wonderful yes. Christmas song that happens mm-hmm. to have you know gruesome tragedy taking place within it. Yes, the bleak concepts he's a, he's <laughs> that are being a, presented are a, like yay. <laughs> he's just a, a genius comic. That's why. Absolutely, yep. Tiny Tim is not. Okay, so this next <laughs> song, I, I'd be shocked if anybody didn't know this one. Yep. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. By Elmo and Patsy Trigg Shropshire. I never knew who did this song yep. until yeah. <laughs> looking into it. I couldn't have told you. This was uh, 
first self-released in 1979 to very little fanfare, (laughs) (laughs) but the Shropshire's re-recorded and re-released it Mm -hmm. in 1982. And since then, just like grandma with Santa's reindeer, we can do little to escape it (laughs) each year. (laughs) It's about the horrifying demise of an elderly woman at the at the hooves of a beloved caribou. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not without its controversy. In t- 2016, an expert on gender and pop cultural studies noted that, quote, grandma is positioned as someone who gets in the way of male fun. And so her death is something to celebrate. Oh. Grandpa is quick to return to, quote, watching football, drinking beer and playing cards with cousin Mel. Not even cold yet. <laughs> it, it bothers me when people take something out of context and try to shove it into a gender studies class. Right? Yeah. Like if you if you look at it at the events, like, OK, yes, we could talk about it that way. But it's not how it was. Actually, this is very Uh-oh. sexist. Peter Robert says it's true. Right here. <laughs> So it wasn't even without controversy when it was first released. Mm, I was wondering about that. Yeah. Well, according to Elmo Shropshire, while appearing at a club, the Grey Panthers picketed the duo's performance. (laughs) They sound terrifying. (laughs) They're not as committed as the other group. (laughs) They're just a a lighter shade. (laughs) Well, it's because of their Um, hair, right? It's an elderly elderly group. Right? Elderly activists. And they called the song Ageist. Sexist and violent. So anyway, the attention only served to highlight the song mm-hmm. and usher it onto the charts. I wish somebody mm. would hate me a little more so I would get more exposure. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Ooh, I, I could become a, a doom cock for you. Right? <laughs> I've got some great clips of Scat this week. <laughs> oh, no. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Walking home from we could all just sing along to this. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of the song, but I really like this guy's voice. And doesn't he sound like someone named Elmo? He does. Ultimately, right. the song was picked up by Epic Records in 1984. Mm, yeah. And according to Shropshire, it outsold Thriller in December of that year. Come on. According to anybody else? Come on, Elmo. What? No <laughs> one's really that. Single? Even that, did they, no. Did they ask no. him if he wrote this about... No. He intended it to be a sexist, violent, ageist song? Well, he he says that this song is more about proving that Santa exists rather than killing off grandma in a drive-by hoofing. Because if he didn't exist, he could not kill this elderly woman, could he? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Where are his other songs? Why haven't I heard the entire album from Elmo? Oh, he has, every track is a different family member getting killed off in a bizarre way. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really want to hear it now. Mm Mm-hmm. At different holidays? Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. Cousin so Earl got run over by Leprechaun. Yeah. My, my favorite is uh, Uncle Jacob Easter got Bunny. run over during Hanukkah. <laughs> straight to Spotify. Hey, I want to tell you guys about, what's that, John? <laughs> straight to Spotify with that one. Straight, yeah, yeah. Or Pandora. <laughs> uh, Whatever it is. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> hey, I want to tell you guys about Merry service. Christmas. Dude, you say Perens? Uh, I don't want to oh. fight tonight. Oh, uh, right. it's a song by the okay. Ramones. Uh, came out in 1989. Now, look, yeah. sure, if you if you're familiar with the song or you or play, a, you're about to hear it. It's the same one four five chord progression in every single Ramones song, essentially. <laughs> Certainly, <laughs> yeah, their hits, uh, Blitzkrieg, Bop, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And sure, Joey mm-hmm. deftly unfolds as he does on so many other tunes the simple phrase "Merry Christmas" like a multi-syllabic accordion. He turns that into so many notes. 
Oh my God. But that's exactly what you want from the Ramones. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So released in, in, on 1989's Brain Drain, which also includes Pet Cemetery, by the way, and oh. Palisades Park, two other maybe more popular uh, songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song finds Joey pleading with someone to avoid conflict on Christmas. And although he's singing to his, quote, baby, it's easy to imagine the lyrics are a subtle message to bandmate Johnny, with whom Joey mm-hmm. was often at odds. Oh. You can see the song, just look up the history uh, of the song, The KKK Took My Baby Away, mm-hmm. for more information <laughs> about that conflict. Wow. But as is true as uh, of other songs on this list, it's fueled by their classic punk sound that Ramones sing a tale as a tale many of us can relate to during the holiday season. Mm-hmm. You know, of all the songs we talk about in this yeah. list, mm-hmm. yeah. uh-huh. this is the least Christmas of all the songs. Huh. I don't okay. think it's a Christmas song. It just like yeah. happens to be a couple fighting. Oh, oh, and it's okay. Christmas, by the way. You know, it's okay. All right. I mean, like, I, like mean. I go driving in December and I stop at a red light. Is like, oh, a yeah. Christmas red light? No, it just happens to happen at <laughs> Christmas. Green too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's red and green. Perfect. No, it's just, it's just so not a Christmas song. Other than the Perfect. word Christmas yeah. is in it. Yeah. It's well, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think the interesting thing is, like some of the other songs, they do take an angle that's not usually sung about mm. a slice of life during the holidays. That's probably more common than, you know, we care to take a look at or admit that mm-hmm. tensions are high during these holidays and it yeah. tends yeah. to lead to more, you know, conflict. I agree with all of that, but yeah. mm-hmm. that is a condition that people get in during the holidays, but that doesn't make this a Christmas song. Okay. This is more of a, mm. more of a humanities song to talk about, well, yo, know, holidays are rough on everybody. Like there's no arc that has redemption oh, or anything gets better mm. or, you know, we all get a fruitcake or whatever great things are going to happen at the end of a song. Yeah. There's it's no jingle bells. Let's ringing. not fight. Let's not fight. Let's not fight. The end. It's kind of Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. With yes. Before the song starts, it sounds Christmassy and then it's not. All right. Well, there you go. All right. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's another candidate for this song is just six words long. You know, it's the, I think the thing for me is, you know, what I like about the Ramones is consistent with this song, you know? So sure. since I yeah, like yeah. the Ramones, other songs, this one's good too. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 I see your point, John. Certainly. You know, I have to say out of this list, I consider myself somewhat of a Christmas song aficionado, but. Okay. I really only knew about three. <laughs> okay. Well, these are the, some the number of the quirkiest place. Christmas songs from the 1980s. Okay. That's right. Well, let's try this one, Kat, and see if you're familiar with this one. Okay. Santa Claus is Watching You by <laughs> comedic musician Ray Stevens, 1985. I mean, that's mm. not different than Santa Claus is Coming to Town, right? I mean, we know he's, yeah, he sees well, you. It's, it's a little more salacious than that, <laughs> okay. actually. Yeah. yeah mm. So, well, I, we should all know, I'm like Mississippi Squirrel Revival and- uh, the Shriners Convention. There's so many great Ray yeah. Stevens songs. I mm-hmm. love his work. He's an accomplished artist in his own right. Grammy Award winning singer, songwriter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's equally known for classics like his moving cover of Misty. I love uh, that Over one. the top comedic oh. tracks like The Streak. Oh yeah. And they're calling <laughs> it The Streak. He likes yeah. to show off his physique. <laughs> Here Stevens recreates the sound of 1950s oldie song like uh, maybe like Yakety Yak by the Coasters. It's that mm-hmm, kind of little mm-hmm. boppy song. But it's mm-hmm. to warn his sweetheart about the dangers of unrequited love. <clears throat> oh. <clears throat> Blue balls. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> oh. St- St- 
Straight to Pandora. <laughs> I'll have a blue Christmas. <laughs> Without you, <laughs> you know can't. You. <laughs> can't you write? Uh, can't. <laughs> I never realized. Uh. But he takes the stuff we know about Santa, like from Santa Claus is coming to town and like he, yep. he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake, like all the the omniscience of Santa is kind of worked into this. Yep. But it makes a new caveat in our pact with Chris Kringle is that in addition to not pouting or crying, you yep. must also give Ray Stevens good loving or Santa <laughs> is going to be upset with you and you'll be sorry. Wow. It's effectively, <laughs> you know, give me love or Santa will not be happy with you. So Put out, yeah. sister. That's effectively what he's saying in this song. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. And while the lyrics seem different when viewed through the prism of today's kind of Me Too environment and, you know, sure. kind of mm-hmm. egalitarian kind of uh, respectful environment that we didn't have back when we were running people over with reindeer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. And going straight to watching football. Yeah. Yes. Right. The video for this track does see Ray Stevens carted away by the police and Santa canoodling with his lover because he didn't oh. get love. Santa got the oh, love. Oh, good. Well, there, there's so, justice then for being yeah. a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> this was, Though this came out in yeah. 1985, it was initially recorded, yeah. though, in, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, what was that? Uh, 1962, Ray Stevens really? did, a, did a, yeah, he did a single with a Mary Melody Singers, but then later oh. he did this, the version you know in 85 on Meta Records. So I wonder if even social norms were even more different 20 years even prior. More. It's the yeah. Christmas version <laughs> of Put Out or Get Out, effectively. What, what is that? What song is that? <laughs> What's this song is the Christmas version. No, what is put out or get out? Oh, you're it's saying, a, oh, the phrase. It's a saying. Phrase. Oh, okay. I thought you were it's saying there's saying. another song. That's John's uh, philosophy, okay. Will, right? You know. By the Tabernacle Choir, right. put out or get out. And right. that, okay. You know, it's made it number seven on the charts. Now, baby doll, sweet pie, sugar plum, honey bun, angel face, you know you better be good. And act like a true fine love is sure. It is very yakety yak. Santa Claus is watching you. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. <laughs> I love that. He's everywhere. <laughs> it is kind of, yeah. Oh boy. Uh-huh. Wow. I feel like we have to have a warning for any families listening to, for looking for 80s music on Pandora. Not to- and <laughs> Christmas, jolly yeah. Christmas. This is an adult right. maybe list. Right. Not to be confused adult with. party. Ask, cash, or grass, nobody rides for free oh, by the Mormon this Tabernacle is, uh, Choir. I'm rethinking the whole Pandora <laughs> thing, you know. I'm not even not sure that's really worth it. Um, oh, man. I was not familiar with this song, John. <laughs> uh, okay, hey, I want to tell you guys about another song. So, look, you guys know how much I love hip-hop, and there's been many hip-hop Christmas tracks, but I want to tell you about Santa's Rap by mm. The Treacherous mm. Three, which came out in 1984. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, you could turn. You know, you could point to Run DMC's "Christmas in Hollis" as a 1980s classic uh, holiday tune. Mm-hmm. But this one, which first appeared in Beat Street, shows the treacherous three rapping honestly about their urban holiday experience. The grievances aired here make it clear that Santa, who's portrayed by a uh, uh, pre-solo Cool Modi, by the way, mm-hmm. fails to deliver each year. Uh, the biggest disappointment characterized by the rappers, and I love, I love this, is actually the highlight of the song, a beatbox uh-huh. performance by a young Dougie Fresh. <laughs> and while some of the lyrics are, are, are just pure 1980s, we should have known better, but didn't, the song is a more cynical and therefore authentic Christmas carol. That ain't a G.I. Joe, that's a G.I. Jerk with a Kung Fu grip that don't even work. So all I did was 
pharmacist put them away Cause my G.I. Joe look G.I. gay That's why you don't get presents now Cause you're just in grace G.I. Joe's gay, what difference does it make? After all, he's just a doll, ain't too much he can do If you ask me, boy, I ain't too sure about you Listen, Bloto, with your big fat suit Next time, say no, don't send no substitute Because I asked you for a beatbox and you know what I got? Dougie Fresh, you know that kid from down the block This thing is wonderful. I don't know how I missed this all my life, but I oh, yeah. maybe my favorite song in this list is oh, wow. this Santa's rap. My favorite line in it is about about a third of the way through. Mm-hmm. Y'all should be glad I didn't quit because I'm getting too old for this Santa Claus shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm like, now I know what we're in for with this song. Like that's when they first because it's Santa just being yeah. indignant, like, hey. <laughs> don't be back talking to me. I'm right. saying I'm too old for this. Love it. Don't you be ungrateful. It's wonderful. Uh, look, finally, I want to tell you about, it's a quirky Christmas song, uh, but it also happens to be my favorite from the 1980s. And I'm talking about Christmas wrapping by the waitresses, mm-hmm. which came out in 1981. As I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about the, uh, they might be giant song, mm-hmm. the yeah. sound of the waitresses, yeah. including this song is just to me. So iconic early 1980s. Yep, yep. I teased it twice already. Um, as I noted earlier in 1981, as I told you, ZE Records asked each of its artists to record a Christmas song for a compilation mm-hmm. album. Well, yes. while the 1982 re-release of the album included the worst Christmas song ever, Christmas <laughs> with Satan. Oh, yeah. The original version of the LP features one of the best. Uh, it was intended to be a spoof of Curtis Blow's Christmas rapping R.A.P., uh, which came out in 1979. Mm. Okay. Uh, it's a bouncy convergence of early 1980s new wave and late 1970s funk. If you mm-hmm. listen again, you'll note that the, the song was actually rapped by Patty Donahue, unlike the other mm-hmm. songs, you know, where she's singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, songwriter and founder of The Waitress is Chris Butler, who with whom we spoke, I don't know, a while ago. Yeah, a and while lives, ago. And lives close by and invited me to his house. And his house, by the way, is was Jeffrey Dahmer's house at one point. No. I think it was the first house he buried a body in or killed somebody mm. in. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Oh, wow. Anyway. Merry Christmas. Merry mm. Christmas. And thanks, guys, for mm. listening. Um, <laughs> anyway, Chris Butler, he assembled the track from unused riffs and finished the lyrics in a cab on the way to the recording studio. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the tale of the, the, the you know, protagonist, the point of view, woman's dislike of the holiday was born of Butler's own hatred for Christmas. Uh-huh. Quote, everybody I knew in New York was running around like a bunch of fiends, said Butler. Quote, it wasn't about joy, end quote. Mm-hmm. Although the song is ubiquitous during the holidays today, it failed to chart in the U.S. Huh. Uh, at the time of its release, unlike uh, what to buy a bookie for Christmas. <laughs> and this song didn't. Yeah. Although wow. it did reach uh, number 45 in the U.K. You know, not for nothing, we're on a show with 1980s in its title. This yep. is by far the most 1980s sounding song on this list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Christmas yeah. or not, this is like, oh, it screams 80s. Like, I want to put on oh, leg yeah. warmers when I hear this song. It just sounds yeah. awesome. Don't you wear leg warmers? I have a pair upstairs. I love this song. I think I have the whole song here just because I love it. All right, that's enough of that. All right, hey, that's the list. Wait, I right? wanted to say something. I love the okay. um, the saxophone in that song, right? Mm. Isn't there a... Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Butler is a really just an amazing composer. These, you know, sort of the... 
I don't know, the top 40 or poppy nature and the popularity of some songs belies how complex some of his arrangements are. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And this one is no exception. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, that is the list. Uh, if you, yeah. we look, I know we missed some cause I can think of songs off the top of my head already that could have been on here, but for the fact that we limited it to just songs, whatever that number was, I said in there, uh, two, four, five, seven, six, seven, eight, 10, four, uh, 12, nine, uh, but no more than 12, Three point we, <laughs> a number of one to 12 songs. Um, 87%. so look, you can email me directly. Will at 1980s now and tell me the song I missed. Mm. Maybe we'll do a follow-up at some point. Uh, That'll teach you. Holiday season. <laughs> Email will. <laughs> All right. And that is the show. Our show is brought to you every week. Thanks in part to our early adopters like Kathy Burke, mm-hmm. Rick Parker, and Karen Fleeger. Awesome. And thank you especially to our Secret of Our Success Level Patreon supporters like John Henderson, Craig Coletta, John Kominsky, Marcus mm-hmm. Taylor, and... Tony, great. I feel like I want to make a song with all those names. (laughs) Do it. A little tune. (laughs) I also want to say, we want our $2. Go to patreon.com. Nice. (laughs) You send us your $2 and Kat will be your doomcock. That's the bargain. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the bargain? So yeah, you can you can go. I have and, to make up horrible rumors about you. <laughs> and for any of the ways to support the show, you can go to 1980snow.com/support, or you can just simply mm-hmm. share a post, subscribe yeah. to us on YouTube, mm-hmm. follow us on Facebook. Uh, any of the number of free ways to show your love for us, including sending us a message like this one that we got from Miss So, who commented Ooh. on uh, our uh, last week's episode writing. Will, I appreciate the fact you know some of us would think RoboCop the minute you said Weller. Sir, you know my brain too well. Oh, nice. We're talking about how Paul Weller uh, cursed right. out uh, Robert Smith of well, the Cure. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I think most Gen Xers are wired in a certain way. When we hear certain phrases, we yeah. jump right to it. So that makes sense. And uh, Brad Bowman mm-hmm. writes, uh, this is again with regard to last week's episode. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to Google Doug Reach around. <laughs> is that really a thing? Me too, Brad. Hashtag NSFW. <laughs> who, who should we ask? Who would know? Kat researched it. Me. She could tell you, Brad, get a hold of Kat. <laughs> and Jackie Trammell, our friend from the end, the beat goes on, dating after the divorce podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, regarding last week's episode, wrote two minutes in and somewhat relieved that John was talking about Doug Reach around and not someone named Tug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this is taken on a life of its own. Oh my! Oh yes, I'm, I'm gonna have to find this sample to defend myself yeah. that I didn't make it up. That didn't even occur to me. Tug reach around. Oh. <laughs> that's right. that's not a name. That's a request. Yeah. Uh, okay, folks. Hey, we will talk to you again next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. Bye bye. <laughs> This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.